Welcome to another episode of the Comfort Monk Podcast. Today we're talking to Bastian Salabanzi, a pretty incredible skateboarder um, who's living over in France, grew up over there as well, um, came to the States at a really, really young age and started riding for Flip and just making all these legendary parts. Um, but yeah, it was great having him on the show. Yeah, I, I was really excited uh, to listen to it, especially about his music. Uh, it, it seems like a common thread among uh, skateboarders that we have on the show. Uh, the vast majority of them are all you know musicians, and uh, I just wasn't aware of Boston's, uh, uh, m- you know music career, which is pretty cool. Because I, I grew up watching uh, Flip Sorry. That was a really big one when I was a young skate kid. Uh, so I've, I've seen his, his skate parts a million times. Uh, so it's nice to hear about all the other art that he does. Yeah. That's kind of what I was really curious about going into the conversation was, you know, his other creative outlets. And we even got a pretty great little moment, uh, when I was listening to write down notes for the episode, uh, I heard that moment where he picks up the guitar and plays a little bit, which is pretty cool. Um, I think that's the first time anybody's really played anything on the show. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited about it and it was great talking to him and having a, you know, another skate legend on the show, but I guess we'll let the interview speak for itself. Here's our chat with Bastian Salabonzi. We'd like to say thank you to all the Comfort Monk listeners out there uh, from from me and Dylan uh, from the bottom of our hearts. We just heard that uh, the Free Times, Post and Courier put uh, their number one and two South Carolina records of 2020 are both uh, Comfort Monk releases. We, we appreciate all your support for the podcast, but also for the music that we're getting out there. And if you would like to support us, we have launched a Patreon. Um, if you can give a buck or two a month, uh, it'll go towards our hosting fees and any other incidental costs of the podcast. And uh, either way, we'll keep on doing this and keep talking to interesting people for y'all to listen to. You know, when I was confined in March for like uh, three and a half months, actually, ended up living with a homie like actually someone i didn't know back then but i should have like ended up living with him for the entire confinement and he was like a professional guitarist so even though i played guitar for like 18 years he had so much knowledge and so much shit to show me that it was really fun to just be around someone that had so much shit like you gotta learn from and you actually stuck in an apartment with that dude for three and a half months Right. So it was just a big big schooling music schooling and obviously introduced me to like a lot of his homies so became a lot of music and now all of a sudden they close all the bars and all the places where we actually weekly meet up and play music. So it's like, you know, yeah, you can't right. really skate much. And then, I mean, you can street skate, but not really plan trips. And then now we can't even jam either. So it's, well, man, yeah, it's a little irritating. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's good to hear you talking about, about playing guitar because honestly, that's a big part of what I was hoping to talk to you about, man, is I feel like I've, I've only heard you kind of scratch the surface talking about, sort of your musical journey and like yeah i mean is there any particular like uh new tricks or you know whatever th- you know things that cues you might have picked up on that from that roommate that stands out to you 
Yeah, no, definitely. Like, um, you know, when I first started playing the electric guitar and blues, I focused obviously on like pentatonic scale, like mostly minor scales and stuff like that. And it was like, you know, the, the magic of blues is you can mix like minor, major. So here, check it out. Like, if I'm playing this, I could actually go there and play that and then listen to this. This actually link up with this and this is exactly what you've been doing except here. Pay attention to that. And I was like, oh shit. So I actually know all those things, but I got to kind of like put them together with that new thing. But actually like, you know, once you're all around playing those those notes, there's only so many new ones, uh, only so many notes. So like once you can kind of put those new tricks with what you've been doing and it takes obviously practice to kind of get something that's out of your comfort zone into something you've been doing for, for a while. But after once you understand it and you hear it and you know where to use it uh, in whatever song you're playing, then I think it's you're on the right uh, road. So I think, yeah, just listening and watching him do it and understanding was huge. So, yeah, mainly uh, adding a lot of those major uh, scale and kind of touches to to kind of fit in what I was doing before. And obviously the vocabulary uh, gets bigger and so you get more ideas, but obviously, yeah. And then he showed me new artists like Robin Ford or uh, guys like that, that I like, I didn't really know. I didn't study them that much. So that was big. Uh, who else that I really, uh, obviously we watch a lot of Eric Gale, Josh Smith, all those dudes. So uh, yeah, another friend of mine, Jerome, actually has the level to just be like, oh, Eric Gale, check it out. He just did that. That's how it sounds super odd here. And so he showed me anything I can ask about. He has the level to show me. So it's like an open book, you know. Hell yeah, man. Super cool. So I know that uh, you kind of dug into music a bit more after you left America, went back home and, and kind of, you know, dug your heels in a bit. But what was what was the stuff you were listening to and absorbing like before you got signed at 12 and all like when you were really little, what was inspiring you? Oh, back then I was listening a lot of, a lot of hip hop, mainly French hip hop and, and New York, uh, hip hop, like, uh, you know, I am and Tam, uh, Oxmo Puccino, but also like a lot of like gang, gangsta, uh, Wu Tang, obviously Notorious Big, all that stuff. Uh, my, my brother listened a lot of records, at home, my mom as well. Um, she listens different style of music, but I always grew up with music around my uh, my house. And then I picked up the turntables really, really young, like uh, maybe at eleven, something like that. Wow. I started to learn scratching and pass pass, slowing down the records to use the same one, like kind of creating a bit. So I was really into this. Then started the drums. So yeah, I started like by hip hop. So even when I play blues or rock and roll. I always have that 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 roots in me, and you know, I always have that 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 here for that timing. I guess it's always oh, yeah. part of my music. I guess. Man, I think a lot of the like the hip hop that I love kind of pulls from so many different genres. Anyways, you know, like they'll just be like samples that aren't necessarily what you'd expect. You know, it might be like a like a blues sample or something, and that's what. That little curveball is just another reason to love it, you know? Yeah, that's what makes an instrumental, like, magic, for sure, or something stands out, for sure, standing out. So, yeah. you said you were you were using the turntables that early, but you hadn't picked up the guitar yet at that point? No, I started guitar 
uh, during like a skate trip in uh, in Australia um, when I was like 15 years old. I was like a room teammate with, uh, we were sharing rooms with uh, Stefan Janowski and he brought a baby Taylor with him. And that's oh, the yeah. first time I really had a contact with the guitar. Man, so that those was little funny, baby you know? Taylors like, are sick too, man. They actually play really well. I know. Yeah, I was, I was, you know, he could have been anything, but yeah, I noticed he had that small little thing on his back, and then we just like finally get to the to the hotel, and then like kind of beat up jet lag or whatnot, and then just pick up that guitar and and play a modest mouse song, like really chill, really like nothing crazy, and I was sitting on the bed like, damn, that that's actually like sick as fuck, like damn, I need to learn that shit. Yeah, like I remember that. I was thinking, like, okay, that's like same as like when I saw Oli, and you're like, wait, how the fuck did he just flew in the air with his board stuff and his wait what and then you just want to figure it out it was the same feeling like wait i gotta learn how to do that that's oh, too yeah. cool <laughs> Dude, all those modest mouse records in particular they got those little guitar moments that are like they're not complicated but they are so cool and they're like a little they trick you can apply yes. to your own thing you think you yes, could remember yeah. what modest mouse song he was playing or is that just like way too far back to remember no, I can play you. I don't know. I don't remember the title of the song, but I can play you the song. It goes like this. I definitely recognize it. I could think of the, <laughs> I could hear the vocal melody in my head already. I wish I could think of the yeah. name of it too, though. But I, it's going to come to me. As Twenty soon years as we later, nineteen years later, I can play you that song. Dude, you played it perfect too. That's awesome, <laughs> man. <laughs> it's funny you're talking about picking up the guitar on on like a skate trip like that because we talked to uh, we talked to Ali Bulala a while back, and he was talking about going into some gas station and coming out with a. A guitar, or maybe Leo Romero was telling us he saw Ali go into this gas station and just come out with a guitar from. I guess he bought it from the the guy at the register or something, and then the, then he just was like playing guitar after that. You know, it's crazy. That's, I mean, that's something that I totally believe from Ali. I mean, that's one of the most like funniest dude you can do a tour with. I mean, anything can happen when oh, yeah. you're chilling with that dude. Uh, it's a lot of fun. A lot, a lot of fun. So it's, yeah, we played a lot of guitar on tour. There was a there was a period of time where like we could not be on the road traveling somewhere doing a skate trip without a guitar. So if we just ended up somewhere without one, either I or him or the team manager or somebody had to find someone that had a guitar because we just had to at that moment, you know, at the hotel where we were just like passing the guitar around and showing like leaks to each other. So it was something for at least two or three years. No matter what, there had to be a guitar on the, in the van anytime we're going somewhere. So that was really fun too, you know. Well, like, yeah, man. You, like it's very linked, you know. You guys probably have kind of like your sort of kindred spirits in your stories, being kids that left, the, you know, another country real young, came to America and started skating. I mean, I think he was older than you by a little bit when he came over here, but still a kid, you know. Mm-hmm. We had the same. Um, kind of adventure, you know, when yeah. we first, I mean, I remember hearing the, the, about Ali for the first time, I think it was in the 411 video. He does like, I think, switch front side flip or switch front side 180 down the first set of stairs out of a hideout. And then that's like another trick or it could have been switch crooks down it. But I remember like 
just that swag and big baggy pants. And I was like, wait, who is that like Swedish like killer? You know, I'm like, well, Ali Bulala, wait, that, that dude is just too fucking good. And I was just, I remember like never hearing about him like younger than that. Kind of like you have those dudes that appear out of nowhere, like, you know, 6'3 and then like 19. And you're like, wait, where you come from, dude? But yeah, I felt like he came out of nowhere was so good already, you know. Well, that's right. Well, uh, so speaking of, you know, that sort of connection you guys have, we talked a little bit about how, you know, it's so different growing up in Sweden as far as like cutting your teeth on a skateboard and, and just, it's, you know, there's some common things as far as how that would be there versus the States. But what was it like growing up in, in France and, and was the skate scene like pretty different from how it feels over here? Was it, because here it feels like the skate scene and like the, the music scene or like, sort of intertwined sometimes and were you like meeting musicians through the skate scene or were you kind of what was the world like as far as cutting your teeth over there you talk about growing up you mean yeah well growing up and picking up the skateboard and, and kind of finding your crew well to be honest like the easiest link that uh, i would have between skateboarding and music was you know, when you watch a video uh, that you haven't seen before with the homies, and then obviously if you watch Karim Campbell, for for example, you will have 99% of the time uh, hip-hop music on it. If you watch Chris Markovich or Jamie Thomas, uh, most likely it'll have something more, you know, towards metal or heavier. So through that, I used to be like, damn, I actually really like that song, like on Mark Johnson's part. Wait, what, who is that? And then you know, or Ith Kishart or all kinds of stuff inspired me. Andrew Reynolds always had some dope music. So, yeah, of course, that opened your uh, your ears at a young age. But musicians, not so much. And, then, you know, before moving to Paris, uh, way down the road, I grew up in a tiny uh, little city in, like the Alps, uh, the Provence. And it's like, you know, you got 25,000 people in that city, no skate shop, no park, nothing. So I was just like that little weird kid. I go everywhere with a skateboard that nobody really understood uh, until I did like that small little contest in Marseille that changed my life where Salman Aga and Ruth Glivberg were there and told Flip Skateboard and, and Vance like saw me also and were like, yo, we got to hook that little dude up. But be before that, I was just like, I just love to skate, mom. Like, just let me do my thing. And then nobody understood really what I was doing except my brother and my mom. But that's how it was. And I moved to a slightly bigger city called Toulon. And that's where I started to see a real scene, like Oli grinding and having my real crew. But before that, I just skated by myself, kind of. Yeah. So when you were before you moved to the slightly bigger city, whether, was it a town where you kind of had to just make spots out of nothing, really? Like, or were there some cool spots as far as skate no, spots? No, actually, no, no. It's like it was a small city, but, you know, in France, it's, uh, since it's so old, uh, you'll have like marble plazas with like, you know, just perfect little three stairs, downhills, little like things you can not really grind, but it's definitely like a a big Disneyland for an eight-year-old learning skateboarding. Yeah. Uh, that sort of architecture is just dope. You know, it's like a Barcelona type of stuff, like very just clean, very clean. Man, that's that's awesome to have. Yeah, I grew up in a small town, but there was <laughs> but like I no had spots. no inspiration, so I just did anything that came to my mind. I didn't know what was allowed. I just I saw one movie. Uh, I don't remember the title. The guy at the end, I just remember it, it's about skateboarding, but not really. And the guy is like at the end of the movie, the scene is like skating kind of a, like a pool, and someone is throwing some stuff down the pool for him to just 
eat shit. Like it's a very classic skate movie. Uh, I think it's with um, Slater, the ac- the the actor. I don't uh, remember his name. Christian, Christian Slater? Slater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what really like I thought I wanted to do the same tricks as him. You know, kind of like you put your foot on like some kind of fire hydrant and then jump in the air doing some kind of method. Uh, that's all I th- I th- I saw back then. So I didn't know about all your grinding. I just did downhills, kind of roll off stairs. I don't know. I was just an eight year old having fun. You know. <laughs> yeah, man, dude, that's great that you were just kind of freestyling it. You know what I mean? Finding your own path exactly. a little bit. Exactly. I had no I had no clue. <laughs> well, I think it translates in how you skate now, man. And you just kind of do it your own way. Doesn't feel like you're a tr- you're a trend follower. That's for sure. Well, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, you know. Um, in skateboarding, I think it's kind of like music or the words you choose when you speak. You know, everyone has his own own way, and you're kind of trying to be true um, to what feels good and what you're trying to to give to people and to yourself as well. Because we all do this also because we we love it. And uh, yeah, I don't think. Uh, I don't think following a trend or being at the right place at the right time so everybody can see me would give anything more in my life. I don't need that at all. Like what really makes me happy is, you know, if I feel like I'm staying honest and uh, and staying true, I think you can't be wrong when you do that. You know, when you stay true to who you are, like I don't, I don't think uh, you can really go that bad, you know. No, dude, I think that... It- it kind of applies to music or anything else too. Like you said, like if you're making the music you want to make or doing the skate line that you want to do, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks of it. You already, you're already a success. You did what you set out to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think people will feel that, you know, obviously you're not going to make everybody, uh, you know, uh, love that line or big fan, which, you know, translate to music as well. A lot of albums that we love have been misunderstood. But yeah, I think if you stay true to what you, you love, you'll have, a, you'll have people who are going to relate and be inspired by that, no doubt about it. Absolutely, man. Well, dude, uh, I know that you, you've, like you were saying, you kind of picked up gigs throughout the city and stuff, but have you, what's your, have you had much of like a recorded history of your music? Have you been on much like that we could actually check out? No, I mean, for the first question, yes, I did many recordings. I mean, many, like like over 10, 15, 20. But it's like, you know, we're living in a world where like there is so much shit coming out all the time that I don't want, like the th- I have music recorded, but I'm just there sitting and be like, I don't want to just release that stuff with like the rest of the 100,000 songs dropping on Spotify or other sites, you know? And I'm like, you know, especially people know me from skating. I kind of have that bird on my shoulder where I'm like, no matter what, people are going to hear it as kind of a skater playing music for a bit. Even if it's really good, like honestly, like I maybe I'm wrong, but... I have that little thing that is holding me back from releasing all that shit because I remember, for example, Jeremy Rogers coming out with his hip hop uh, album, whatever, singing. I love uh, Jeremy to death, but the welcome of his music was very, very negative. I lived in the States when that happened and that truly marked me. I was like, man, like skateboarders love you, but as soon as you kind of like, get out of your 
supposedly like box where you're supposed to be at and you do something else, people are not going to miss you. They're going to be like, by miss you, I mean like they're not going to give you any credit or any any pass. They're going to fucking smack you hard and break you. And I was like, wow, you can go from I love your parts, you're awesome, to this dude is lame. Like, are you serious? Like, did you even like try to understand where he came from? So, yeah, I was like, man, skaters are ruthless. So maybe, yeah, I have that within me. So, yeah, I'm, music is ready. I actually recorded with some really dope people. I'm proud of what we're doing. But, yeah, it's about time. Honestly, I'm right there where, like, you know, the homies are like, bro, let's let's go. And uh, I think it's, yeah, I have to let that go, you know, that feeling that, like, it's not in my control. Once I recorded the music and I like it and I put it out, It'll be whatever it'll be, you know. But yeah, I've I've had that for the past five, six years. Like that feeling that it's not I'm not I'm not ready to release it yet because of that feeling. You know what I'm saying? Well, don't let that that drag you down too much, man. Because you know, for instance, when I when I was younger, I I got turned on to Ray Barbie's music, and I knew him from skateboarding oh, yeah. already. You know what I mean? I knew him for years as a skateboarder, and that That's record true. made me want to like that made me fall back in love with guitar. That uh. His first couple records, you know, and like that's very and, true. And it would be that's an afterthought. True. I'd be like, oh yeah, I forgot he's a pro skater too. You know what I mean? So right, right, yeah. Quality suppose, is no, quality. I'm not, it's not like uh, no. Don't get me wrong. Like I don't think about it when I play music, when I record, or any of that. But definitely when we have the the song and the homie's like, yo, like what you want to do with it? Like what are we doing? Then yes, I'm like, well, like not yet. Like just let's keep it. Like let's keep making it sound sound even better. But yeah, like, but now I'm where where it's time because it's getting, the quality is there, I think. I'm really proud. The people I work with, they've been doing it long enough to uh, know when it's good to go and it's it's sounding good and I, I agree with it and I trust them because they, they you know, they kind of have my story, but in music, you know, uh, that I had in skateboarding. So yeah, I trust them and yeah, I've been doing it long enough to just, music is meant to be shared at the end of the day, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. I mean, dude, I've heard okay. you play guitar. I mean, I heard you play guitar today and many other times from just you know looking your stuff up online. You and you're a killer, man. I'm I'm can't wait to hear what you've been recording whenever the time comes. <laughs> Thanks, man. That means a lot. Thank you. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, me too. I mean, I'm curious. It's hard to judge your own music. It's hard to judge your own writing, or lyrics, or singing. But you know, uh, yeah, I'm curious to see the reaction and positive and negative you grow from both of them you know? yeah man and i mean we've all gotten to to watch you express yourself on a board for so long and i feel like that's really exciting and will always be exciting to watch you do because you're always growing in that way but seeing it seeing you express yourself in a completely different way would be exciting and i know we're, you know we're not alone in thinking that man so when the time <laughs> comes there's going to be people who vibe with it for sure <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, that's motivating, man. That's that's uh that's pretty cool. That's inspiring. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Yeah, man. I saw your post about uh about Eddie Van Halen the other day, and I've been I you know I didn't grow up like a big Van Halen guy, but I was a big Minutemen guy, and they covered "Ain't Talking About Love," and uh. Mm -hmm. Anyways, after the other day after Eddie passed, I looked up Van Halen one, and I was like, man, the guitar is just next level as far as like like that's the band basically you know <laughs> yes yes he's the kind of like if you think guitar hero he's definitely one of the dudes that come right up but i'm like you i didn't grow up 
uh, and even recently, I know him honestly by, it's going to sound ridiculous, but I'm a huge Michael Jackson fan. So obviously, like he played the on the album album Bad on like I think Beat It mm-hmm. and other songs. So when like I listen to all those songs, I was like, man, that guitar in the background is just fire. And then I'm looking, I'm like, okay, Eddie Van Halen. Then I'm like, and I'm look, I, I kind of know how it looks like, but I never studied his album uh, until now. Obviously, I know kind of what he does, but definitely not at Jimmy Page's level or Buddy Guy or Stevie. Uh, I definitely got a lot of studies to do on that, on that guy, man. But yeah, he was back to back. Like I feel like back to back to back. We're losing so many great musicians from uh, Lucky Peterson not that long ago. Then the Manu Dibongo with the coronavirus, uh, Eddie Van Halen. We're just celebrating. I don't like that word, but I was posting about the 30 years of the passing of Stevie Ray Vaughan that I love so much. So I was kind of like, man. Imagine he would still be alive, like, or if I would have the opportunity to see him in concert. Next thing you know, like, I see post about Eddie Van Halen uh, being gone. I'm like, bro, like, wait, what the hell? Like, this is just nonstop. Obviously, maybe we're getting older, so people we we love are uh, unfortunately passing away. But yeah, it feels like it's just nonstop. Yeah, man, for <laughs> it's sure. It's crazy. Past couple of years and and 2020 alone, it's just like back to back to back. You're right, but. Man, I've always I, wanted to dig into Stevie Ray Vaughan more, but I don't even... Where, where should I begin? What's the best starting point with his records? Uh, I mean, honestly, he's the kind of guitarist that I would start by looking at live of that dude. Okay. Because just the, the energy, the way he plays the guitar, like, that's the first thing that truly uh, made me fall in love with him, like... Uh, I could relate the way I skate with the way he plays the guitar. So the first DVD I had of him was the double DVD of uh, Montreux Festival in 1982 and 1985. And this is just insane. And then from there on, uh, you'll have all the titles and all the classics from everything you want to know about him. But his version of Little Wing from Jimi Hendrix, which just finished very quickly after like about a minute, 23 seconds, like, the solo kind of starts and then the mu- the music just fades out and you're like, wait, Jimmy, like, why is the song just so short? Stevie plays like a five minute version, just ridiculously beautiful. I was like, thank you. Someone played five minutes Little Wing. So Stevie kind of like, you know, was the first dude I heard playing that that huge version of Little Wing, you know? Right, right. So are you, what are you playing mostly guitar wise? Are you a Strat guy? Yes, like... Uh, out of those 15 years uh, playing guitar, I definitely, and if you would see my arsenal, you would be like, yeah, that dude loves Strat. Obviously, I have more than one Strat. But lately, uh, I've, oh, yeah. I've got that Les Paul right here from nice. uh, from a store in Bordeaux. And uh, it's a crazy-ass uh, custom shop from, uh, like, it's like a 60th anniversary. And that shit is just like the... The neck feels just ridiculous, so it's really easy to play compared to a Strat, obviously. Like, the Les Paul is... Everyone that plays a little bit knows that it's much easier to play because of the, the scale of the neck and different weights build. So it feels good to have something that is just effortless, you know what I mean? My, uh, yeah, I'm playing with Les Paul right now, but it's honestly because, you know, COVID and Paris, I don't have uh, everything with me here. It's in between Bordeaux 
and then Los Angeles. So this is my beautiful uh, substitution Hell guitar yeah. right now. And honestly, you know, <laughs> I'm, you, I'm blessed right now. Are you getting used to the weight of it? I feel like Les Paul is like a backbreaker, man. They're heavy. No, you'd never get used to the weight of it. That's that's one thing that, you know, obviously. Uh, luckily, though, I play pretty high, like right under my chest like it's kind of high so i don't have that weight killing my back too much i so feel like the lower out. you play the more you're gonna feel yeah i like to have my guitar really just comfortable right there where i can feel accurate as shit so but yeah you play with it like an hour an hour and a half standing up live you're you're done like your back is like fucked so yeah, yeah you're you telecaster stratocaster all day if you're gonna play gigs 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 but this is just for a studio session or just practicing licks and this thing is just like a fucking bowling alley it's just so easy to play yeah man i bought a, a gibson 335 a few years back and uh, it's been like I'm beautiful so happy with it man it's just it was a game changer it's just so much easier to play than i played cheap guitars my whole life and i love cheap guitars for this for what they are but splurged one time i was like damn it can be this easy to play it's hard to make this thing sound bad you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah no especially when you get that right one like or it's built right or you find that neck that you really like and you just spend hours on it and it feels like nothing that's the one man like guitar is hard enough you know so if you play on like a chunky guitar yeah sure then you can play anything but yeah once you have that good one that's it that's all you need that's awesome man do you do you play i know you said you obviously you scratch but do you play other instruments other than guitar yes i uh Right before I started the guitar, maybe three years before, I actually did like a couple of years at drum school. So I my first real instrument, I don't like to say instrument, a real instrument, but after turntables, I did drums and then I started the uh, guitar. But uh, in Bordeaux, I met a lot of jazz musicians through jam session and I fell in love with trumpet. And so I played trumpet for seven years, but I really don't play often enough to be decent. I know jazz themes. I know a few, like I know a scale kind of, I can I can kind of get by, but this instrument is one of the only one where you need daily practice to stay decent. Like if you don't practice the trumpet every day, it's over. Like yeah. it's, you lose your it's touch not a, pretty no quick. joke. Yeah. <laughs> yes, like, yes, this is, this is not a bike or a skateboard. Like if you don't play trumpet for a week, you're going to sound like crap. But I love the instrument and it's definitely something I'll do for the rest of my life. But right now, I'm so focused into uh, songwriting, guitar, and, and, and recording that like, I haven't played for like at least two months. You know? <laughs> so you can only imagine. <laughs> right. So are you a theory guy at all? Or do you just kind of, are you more of a practice guy? Like, do you, do you know, are you able to read sheet music and that kind of stuff? Or are you not really? I personally, I, have no, I can follow the bouncing ball. That's about as far as it goes for, for sheet music. <laughs> no, for I, can, I can read guitar tabs. But if it's written in like traditional notes, like no, if uh, I can't, I can't read partition. But if you write me the chord names, like what you're playing, yes, I can on the guitar. I will kind of know. But definitely, 99% of what I know, I've learned it first, and then people actually taught me the theory behind it. I first use use my ears and use my eyes. Was like, okay, don't move. Okay, boom, boom. But no, I was never like, please tell me what's the name of that chord or like blah blah blah, like double cosh or like no, I I never cared about this. But truly though, when you start doing jam sessions, playing with musicians, uh, you start to understand that that vocabulary or understanding even slightly is helping big time because uh, you're gonna need 
to 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 ease those communication in musician especially in like jam sessions where like no one knows what you're about to play 10 seconds prior to the to the go time so right. if you can kind of give a few things that helps <laughs> yeah man so i mean it sounds like through whatever multiple different outlets you've always been a creative person like did you did your family like did you have people you were related to who were creative too like where this creative energy kind of come from or did um honestly i'm the i'm the youngest uh i have uh we're like three brothers just just boys with uh we grew up with my mom not with my dad so i was the the youngest and so my like a uh, role model as like a man in the house was uh my older brother damien and um we have he's seven years older than me and so i was always kind of looking up to him uh, he did a lot of sports uh, it was very competitive, very athletic, uh, very smart. Uh, he was into music. He loved all kinds of different, good at studying, all kinds of things. And so I was like, man, like, uh, I could see the difference between how he was and, and most of, like, people around me. And I, I loved what he was about, how he was carrying himself. Like, you know, my mom is white and we're, we're three little black dudes and often, you know, I could see people looking at my mom, like where we're all three behind her, kind of like judging her, like, wait, what's going on? Wait, wait, that's, they're with her. Like, wait, she's with them. I was like, oh, you'll see, like, you'll, my mom will be proud of me. And so I was like, always kind of like inspired by my brother and we we're very competitive from video games to sports. So uh, when I fell in love with something, I just, oh, that's all I knew to go a hundred percent to just, you know, go ham, express yourself. My mom was like, oh, you love something? Well, she worked really hard, really, really hard for us to be able to try anything we wanted, man. Like anything. I had a fucking uh, um, motorcycle, like uh, when I was like six or seven years old, like but there was no place to drive it. I was just in the city with a motorcycle, like Kawasaki or something, just because I wanted one. Like it was insane, man. I could try whatever I wanted. And that way, I could just basically express and grow like so fast, you know. So you, awesome. you were the youngest, you said, of the three. Yeah, I, I'm the baby. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. So do you feel like your your brothers kind of paved the way a little bit because all the trouble you could have gotten into, they kind of probably already did. It's like that's the way it was for me, man. I had three older brothers, and I felt like my mom took it easy on me because they'd already done all the dumb shit that I you know before me. So kind of they took <laughs> well, one for the team. <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely. And then if not, you definitely grow or, or mature a little faster because uh, everyone wants to do what their big brothers are doing, you know. Like you always want to, wanna, you know, be cool enough to, to go into the room and chill with their, with their homies, see what they're talking about. I was that little dude who was like, and my brother was cool enough to let me hang out yeah. uh, with them unless, unless they're doing some 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 shady shit, which I don't, I don't, I don't remember, but he, when he was, you know, listening to music, talking about stuff, uh, he didn't mind me being around, you know, even though I was really young. Uh, so yeah, I, thank to him. Uh, I grew up uh, with a very positive uh, vibe around me, you know, Hell yeah. very positive. Yeah, man. I, I, we've talked to a lot of people about like how older siblings kind of play a role, like a, uh... I mean, it's just like you're going to have a better record collection to pick from when you got an older brother or an older sister in the house yeah, and absolutely. whatever else. But, I mean, just nope. think, think about where any of us would be if we didn't have older siblings. I mean, it would have at least taken longer for us to got, get turned on to a lot of stuff, you know? 
No doubt, no doubt, no, absolutely. I mean, like like we said, man, like um, the way I do stuff is definitely uh, connected. When uh, when you you see competitiveness around you and people like like your brother just on the field pushing himself, you know, like uh, to the limit, then as a little kid, you're inspired, man. Like or just you know, you see him just doing that crazy little hook. And then boom, going for the touchdown, like or stuff like that. You're like, wow, okay, like he just, he just that little dude got on by my bro. Like that's what's up. So yeah, when you're seven, six, you're on the sideline. That, that's big time. That's big time. So you you played a bunch of sports before you were skateboarding too, right? Like lacrosse. Oh and yeah, two other things. Absolutely. Well, you do you, you mean f- other sports? Yeah, yeah. Do you keep yeah, up with sports nowadays, or you or do you not really pay much attention as much as you did as a kid? No, I love sports, man. I grew up watching basketball and American football because uh, my mom used to know uh, go out with that dude from uh, um, a guy from San Antonio, Texas, and he hook up our TV with like the right cable so we could watch the NFL and the NBA from our. And so that's how, at a young age, I was already dived in the American culture in sports. So I remember watching Jerry Rice and Michael Jordan. Uh, against you know Charles Barkley from the South of France back then, so yeah, um, that's all. That's all linked right there, man. Like, was that? I, I guess you know Michael Jordan was all that shit as huge over there. I mean, I'm sure it had to be right. He was international. Oh, absolutely, huge, right? absolutely. He was a god, and he influenced uh, so much the way I uh, started doing things, especially skateboarding, because that was the thing where I had the proof. Like, it's one thing to believe in yourself. That's the main important thing. That's the main ingredients, is believing in yourself, definitely. The rest doesn't really matter. But when you have that, and you have the fact behind it to support your belief, it definitely gives you an extra boost. And when I was a young, young kid, and I only skated for a year and a half, and I was obvious, I was looking much better then dudes that skate for five, six, seven, eight years, I was like, man, you've been on the board for a year and a half. That dude been skating for seven years, and you know three times more tricks than that guy. Okay, you're definitely on the right path. And when you're a little kid and you love what you're doing and you have the proof that you should be doing what what you're doing, that's pretty cool too. And then especially when they give you start giving you free shit and wanted to ask you if you want to write for them, then you're that's the confirmation. But yeah, as a young age, I knew. Uh, you know, I watch Michael Jordan, he's pushing himself, he makes a difference. Last second, everybody knows he gets the ball. You know you're getting the ball, but he's too good, you can't even do anything. Ball goes in, he wins. Like, the guy can uh, literally change, uh, you know, the, 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 the outcome just by his presence and his, his will and his competitiveness. He can actually make the future, he can bend time. So I was like, man, magic is real. Like, if you train hard enough, you can achieve anything you want, just like MJ. And so when I skated, I always thought of that. Like, MJ just bleeds like me. He breathes like me. He sleeps like me. If he can do it, so can I. Yeah. And, I mean, he mm-hmm. had an insane amount of growth, like, even, at you know, later on than I think some people would do as far as, like, you know, his, like, high school self as a player versus, like, his college-age self. Like, an insane amount of growth as a player. So it goes to show you're not just always not just a prodigy always. Some you know you got to work at it. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, especially I'm sure you're 
you're mentioning some of the, the things they're talking about in The Last Dance, man. Yeah, I was yeah. so hyped watching this. It was so, so, so cool, man. Man, Getting that was an, an incredible material. documentary. So cool. Yeah, no, so inspiring. inspiring. After I saw that movie, I was like so overwhelmed and ready to ready to, to do anything. You know, it's so much rating. MJ the Don. Yeah, man. So... That being said, I mean, I know that you've had some obstacles, like the, you know, that was it 2016 that you uh, had your knee injury? Yeah, yeah, ACL. And so, I mean, I know you had to go through a long physical therapy process and like getting back on the board was a little funky for you. Are you still like working out some of the kinks in that? Do you feel like you've gotten mostly out of that he- that timid headspace or where are you at with that? Oh yeah, no, no, for sure. Like I've been, I've been out of that injury for a long time now. Obviously, yeah. The only, the only memories I have. I mean, to answer your questions, yeah. When you, when you separate or you snap your ligament, you start from scratch. Uh, after the surgery, you can't even walk. You can't even put your your foot on the ground for a good month. Uh, you can't bend it or anything. So you're starting from uh, scratch. You know, slowly bending your knee or. Uh, to sign, you know, moving your foot, your ankle. So yeah, you're not skating, thinking about skateboarding for at least six, six to eight months, and it took me a year and a half to come back. But uh, yeah, the mental is the the harder aspect because if you have the green light from the the, the dock, looking down some stairs, <laughs> he's not there no more. So you have to be confident to jump down that. So yeah. it took me a while, about a year and a half. But yeah, nowadays I don't even think about it. Like I just. I jumped down shit like nothing happened. Obviously, I'm careful. I'm not going to jump down El Toro for fun. But when I skate, <clears throat> I have the same confidence as I have when I skate before. Obviously, if I have a 10-hour session next day, I'll feel it because it's been hurt. But when I skate, absolutely not. I'm like 100% and uh, physically and mentally. So that's the most important thing. And, uh, and I didn't think I was going to be able to reach that point when I was working out in cali but yeah anybody if he puts the work and is patient enough and stays positive i think you can you can come back from anything if if obviously if uh we're not all equals in in, in dna sometimes when you get hurt things don't reconnect properly but i'm saying in in equal situations i think if you give the work and you're patient uh, you always come back i think yeah, I mean, at that age, like when you're a kid, you do not think about consequences. Not even when you do things where you could literally break your arm, you don't even, that that outcome doesn't even come to your mind, you know? But uh, yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. But um, no, also I think when you pretty much never stop doing something, um, you don't have the same uh, caution. You don't have the same approach. Um Obviously, when I when I go down hard at 34 years old now, it is not the same feeling when I, that I used to go down filming the flip. Sorry, video, obviously, but nowadays, um, you know, obviously people see me fall sometimes, and I don't like you know I use all the momentum to just roll over, push off my shoulder, and I land right back on my feet like if just nothing happened. I don't barely touch the ground. And people are like, what the hell? Well, after 25 years, you learn how to fall. Like, you know how to just not slide like a poor bag of potato and just use momentum to stand right up, you know? So you know how to fall, but yeah, your bones are 34 years old and you've been grinding hard. But uh, no, I've never been better than today on my board. Like, 
I'm not going to keep flip from board at 16 stairs again because I've already did it. I'm not going to, you know, cap double kick flip from board uh, a flat bar on a pyramid. Actually, I could actually do that. That's actually really fun. But I'm not going to skate something really big like or refilm the really sorry. That's not the way I feel like skating nowadays. Like that's not what drives me. But I can use all everything I've done on a skateboard since I started and create something from that. Like when I skate, I feel exactly like that dude that filmed the sorry and everything. So I can definitely go back to that place and do a switch here, back five or back 180 anytime I feel like it. Yeah. So yeah, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like a dude that composed songs. He can still use those chords and those moves. So yeah, I'm just keeping the page open and I'm keeping writing my story, man, with my boy, my guitar. Like, yeah. I don't feel broken or fragile, you know? One thing though, I keep hearing like uh, dudes talking about retirement because I don't skate for primitive, but it's like, why do you need a board sponsor? to like so you get dropped off your board board sponsors or you quit because i didn't dropped off i was just tired of the 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 way uh i just i just needed something something like different there's something that i felt comfortable when i was on my board and i thought that was the right move for me and i think that's the right move so i just told them thank you so much for the opportunity but i'm gonna do my thing and uh, that never crossed my mind that that means that I'm retiring at all. Like, that's actually the opposite. Like, I want to have fun creating on my board and keep on going. So, yeah, all those comments, like, yo, man, why? Like, what happened? Come back. I'm, I'm like, bro, what? Like, <laughs> what is wrong with you, man? <laughs> I think it, it boils yeah, down funny. to, like, people, <laughs> I don't know if it's just, like, because capitalism is just, like, so ingrained in people's heads. Like, they think that if you're not you know, getting a check from somebody that you're out of the game. And it's like, dude, you're skating just as much and you're uninhibited by Oh, uh, yeah, I anything. suppose. I suppose that's why. Yeah. Or something. I don't know, man. It's just the same thing. Like, you know, if you're not to – I feel like I always do this and do, like, music comparisons to skateboarding. But, like, you know, anybody who's DIY releasing stuff, that doesn't – like, there's people who are huge artists and then they decide, you know, I don't want a label. I got this on my own. And yeah, yeah. people don't bat an eye at it because they're still active and putting stuff out. It's like, you know. Yeah, and also, I can, I can understand in skateboarding a, a board sponsor or the actual, like, you know, symbol of having your name or having a board sponsor behind you is a strong, you know, uh, statement as a pro skater. So I, I kind of can understand where it's coming from. But if you look at my Instagram or if you pay attention you don't see me fishing like in arkansas like in a tent like i'm like in a skate spot like i'm posting shit so it's like i don't know like i if i don't know if like the people that are posting this are truly looking at what i'm doing but yeah it's surprising like i don't look like i'm retired and definitely not um in the next couple of weeks because there's something really cool that I'm releasing in less than three weeks right now. I can't really talk about it, but there's something spicy, tasty, Hell yeah. and hopefully styly that people are going to like. So. <laughs> well, we'll keep an eye and on it. And it's going to answer that weeks, retirement man. question really well. Hell yeah, dude. Dude, I'm ex dude. Yeah, yeah. And I, I know you're not sitting over here there like beating yourself up about those random comments, but it is something to think about, man. It's in the sense that like, as much as you and I both love skate culture, the skaters can be weirdly ferocious and like relentless you know ruthless and uh 
And also, like, you know, there's a lot of skaters out there who are a little bit closed-minded about shit. So they don't, they don't, it almost, they're not as open to people creating their own paths as they should be sometimes. And I don't think that's universal. I think there's a lot of people like yourself who, who get it. But there's a, I mean, skateboarding's huge, man. It's got people of all walks of life. And some people are, yeah, gonna, it's they're just community. not, there, there's going to be people who don't get it when you're, you're not defining your, your position in skateboarding by whose whose brand you're riding for. I mean, to a certain, it's what you're doing right now is like the purest form of skateboarding. You're skateboarding for the art of it and for, and for the growth as your own, like, you know, as your own skate skill set continues to develop. You're not really, it doesn't matter whether or not your name's on a board, your name's been on boards for years, man. Yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, Thanks to all the brands that are still supporting me. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. You know, I represent, like, you know, I have opportunities to go left and right, keep, like, you know, getting productive filming and, you know, getting with the right filmers, with the right crew, stay dynamic. But, yeah, for sure, uh, I don't, yes, I definitely don't have, uh, I don't have no deadline. I don't have no, like, uh, you know, um, ad that I have to shoot for no one. There is no pressure from no brand at all. I definitely go skate where I feel like I want to go skate and have fun. So yes, I rejoin what you said on that. Oh. Um, but yeah, really good things are coming. Like I'm in, you know, film, uh, the truck company from Jeremy Daclan. They're getting, you know, things going more and more. Uh, there's definitely a video smelling like, so there's trips coming. Very exciting to go skate with those guys, you know, and get some footy out there. Hayes Wheels uh, is going to have something coming also where we're going to collab. I can't really spoil it, but I'm pretty sure it's coming soon and that'll be exciting also. And then what I mentioned earlier um, about, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, those people that don't really get it because you don't have a board brand or you're not in the States grinding. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm glad knowing that in the next couple of weeks, uh, they'll all have their answer with a, something tasty dropping so that's yeah man yeah that's you know it's all right they could they can uh be like a little misguided for the time being and then you'll set them straight when they see the most important (laughs) though but most important though that that part is for the ones that have been supporting me since day one and are going to be so high to 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 see that you know what i'm saying and to to see what i've been up to uh, all that time and all the work i've put in america you know what i'm saying so i'm really excited for for you guys to see that but to to speak to how some of the the local skate scene here, and we're in Columbia, South Carolina, and there's a okay. thriving skate scene here. There's a a great shop called Blue Tile that's been around forever. And uh, I mean, Flip Sorry and Really Sorry, those were huge when I was growing up, man. Like everybody was watching. Those, those were being everybody's mom and dad ordered them a copy of that DVD, man, and they shared it with all their friends. I don't know if they all had it, but they all shared the same copy. Yeah, yeah, and I'm still shocked to this day, man. It's it's a certain certain project in your life. You you're so involved in it, and things just escalate so quick from from you know that fire gun to 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 the the finish line, the premieres next one that you don't really take a moment and be like yo let's take a moment let's fucking gather up and enjoy what we just did you're so fast to the next video that it took me about probably 10 years to realize what we achieved with that flip flip team for the sorry video and then actually another five years 
to understand the impact that what we did back then had on certain people, you know? It took me a long time and, uh, and a lot of message from people like, yo, back then I was into this and that. And when I saw the sorry video and your part or Jeff and Arto, here is how my life evolved and changed forever. And I wanted to thank you for that. So since like through all those messages, I was like, damn, really? And then when you get many, many of those along the years, through the years, it truly makes you realize what a yellow videotape with Johnny Rotten can do to people. And it's, it's, a, it's a huge, huge uh, achievement, m much bigger than the actually thing of doing a kickflip from the board down something when you're 15 or anything like that. It's the actual impact and positiveness that uh, you did to people is bigger than, than a video part, obviously. You know, yeah, it's, Dude, we're talking it's, about life. Those kind of things have reach, man. Like, you know, those kids... There were kids I yes. grew up with who were like trying to dress like whatever skater they saw on a different part and whatever. Yeah. That's like it's influence. It's got a long reach, man. It's it's wild. Yeah, no. And I think if you if you realize that as you're doing it, there is no way you can do it. Like you know what I'm saying? Like if you know the impact that what you're about to do is gonna have in the future, you're froze. You can't you won't be able to do it. I think you have to be completely you use the word pure, but yeah, I think so. You know, when the I think the the album that we love all, everybody loves is the album where they're like, fuck what everybody's going to think. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to record it that way. A flip, we're really like that way. You know, like that video is going to look like that. Um, we're going to skate that way. And then fuck it. If you don't like it, it's going to be like that anyways. And that's why everybody loved it, I think, because yeah. it was so, so raw. You know what I'm saying? That felt like yeah, a real like turning point within like skate videos in general. Because I mean, I remember... The flip videos coming out it really didn't remind me of anything else. Like that was like really unique into itself. And then I don't know, maybe my timeline's off, but I know that like around the same time I was seeing a lot of the foundation stuff popping up, like yeah, that's I think life not, and cataclysmic yes. abyss and and those those were crazy, man. Like those were they they were you know you've got your you're used to seeing people skate to really great music. That's a that's powerful in itself, but the 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 way that it's pieced together as far as the, you know, the, the buffer scenes and stuff and like everything that they do in between the parts and all that. It's just yeah. like this cohesive, like thing, you know, a huge, uh, I guess like package deal, like put all that together. It's like a greatest hits, you know? <laughs> yeah. You have a lot of, uh, Jeff, Jeff Rowley's energy and, and kind of like maybe culture or, but definitely, yeah, some of his, some of his DNA in that video, you know, you can definitely watch the edit and the energy, the dynamic of the video and kind of imagine, uh, you know, those, I don't know how you say it in English, like the mush, mush pit, I guess, yeah, when yeah, everybody's yeah. dancing and kind of, yeah, the video feels like it's kind of a mush pit, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's a lot of shocks and then just sudden footage in between tricks where you're like, wait, what, <laughs> what, what just happened? So yeah, it's, it was actually pretty funny to discover the first time i was very surprised but i love it though it's very very uh, unusual i agree with you man and the it way makes it's perfect sense having johnny rotten involved in that regard then you know i mean yeah. it all yeah. comes full circle as far as mosh pit culture <laughs> you know what i mean yeah like, and you know those guys line. are all from uh, all from england you know yeah. the, the flip the flip squad uh, the originators they're all from uh, from england so it's like you know full circle like you said for sure yeah, I'll man. Look. Well, that being said, if 
if you're ever looking for a, an avenue to put something out, man, we're always we're we're already working on a third comp now. So hit me up if you wanna if you wanna collab on something. We'd love well, to. Well, we'll definitely on. we'll definitely stay stay in touch. So you know, like I said, I've I've been just kind of in routine, like working with those musicians and recording, writing and stuff. So I always have some some stuff cooking. So yeah, man, I hear you. Oh yeah. Well, we'll definitely stay in touch, man. And it's been it's been great chatting with you. It's it's a uh, Mine, man. We, we we chatted with you know Ali in in Sweden. You might be like you're definitely in the running for the furthest away guest that we've spoken to. We've had a few international guests, but it's a smaller smaller club than I want it to be. So thanks for being in it. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm all the way on the other side of the sea, man. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. All well, stay stay at it. Keep playing. Do something with those thanks songs, for the man. Support, I'm excited man. to hear them. <laughs> and then, man, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. This has been a Comfort Monk production. 